Amen. Amen. So uh, <laughs> let the church say amen. All glory. Remember that guy? Brother Bruner. Oh, let the, no, no, that one, Brother Bruner. That was a guy in, that was a guy in Alice, Texas. You remember that, baby? Let the church say amen. Oh, let the church say amen. Let the church say amen again. Oh, come on now. Let the church say amen. He did that for about 10 minutes. Come on now. Let the church. He was an albino black man. It's very strange. But we had, we had, we, huh? Yeah, he had real thick, like you barely see. Oh, let the church say amen. You know what Ted was doing? Amen. Oh, let the church say amen again. Amen. <laughs> he, Ted was the one that had him going because Ted just kept on giving him them amens. Finally, he just stood in front of Ted. Oh, come on now. Let the fat man say amen. No, no. That's not what he said. That's not, that's not what he said. Ted, you're, 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 getting skinny, you're getting skinny on us, brother. We can start calling Ted Slim. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm, I want to join you. Amen. I want to join your club, Ted. <laughs> the Slim Jims. Oh, not Slim Jims. But anyway, um, well, we on these Wednesdays, we've been uh, covering, um, uh, for, the, well, for the past couple anyway, we've been talking about armor bearer, uh, the armor bearer ministry and the armor bearer book. How many of you re kind of refreshed yourself with the armor bearer book? You, uh, did, did all of you get it and read it or some of you just read it before and you're just rehearsing as we're talking about it or did you get a chance? All right. If you, if you didn't get a chance to read the book, it's okay. Um, but I do encourage you to, to read it. And when you read it, I want to make sure that you understand that there's some some of the language in that but I'm not talking there's no uh, <laughs> it's not like there's any profanity in that book but some of the <laughs> some of the language that he uses to describe some of the things that he's explaining um, can be a little bit number one it can be challenging to people that are carnal it can be challenging to people that are not carnal because you know you start to look at it and you're trying to dissect and trying to figure out exactly what's being communicated. And so I wanted to make sure that I let you know most of the things in that book I completely agree with. And I, I think that the things that, that I don't, it don't really matter. So um, it's just, a, it's just a, an issue with the, the kind of words that are used, the language that's used, and what sometimes the implications of that, of that language. So, um, but I think I've explained it well enough to you all for you all to know what I'm talking about. And if I haven't, I'm going to say it again tonight. So don't you worry, your pretty little heads. I'll let you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but let's go to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Well, you know what? Before we do that, before we go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. So I feel like I'm going to have to set this up a little bit. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're talking about... Um, <clears throat> Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the ministry of helps. The ministry of helps. Uh, a fellow in the book called it the armor bearer ministry. I think the word armor bearer is mentioned like four times in scripture. Um, for those of you that are wondering, well, what does that, what does armor bearing equate to in the New Testament uh, church? Well, 
I'm not sure that there is something that equates to it in the New Testament church, other than, you know, when you look at Ted or someone, someone like Ted, who really functions over there in the ministry of helps, maybe someone like Stephen that we see in scripture. Um, but so we have to be careful, you know, we tell people, I'm an armor bearer. You know, they'll look at you kind of like your uh, hamburger short of a Happy Meal. But uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll let them. We'll let them. We, we know what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. So Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Let's read from uh, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. So... Paul tells the uh, Ephesians to walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, how many of us are called? All of us. Amen. You know, I think, I think Paul Trochel said it real well. All of us in the body of Christ are really full-time ministers. And not that we're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But according to Scripture, we have all been given We've all been reconciled, and as a result of us being reconciled unto the Lord, the Bible says what? That he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. So as, as believers, every believer, every born-again believer, uh, God has anointed you and empowered you. Now think about, think about that, y'all, because some of y'all are looking at me like that's... You, I, used to, I used to do that. I used to hear people say... That um, like when the, when my uh, spiritual mother said the Lord called me to uh, that the Lord had given me the gift of the discerning of spirits in my mind that was the jankiest gift God could have given I thought I got the most ghetto gift it, that's like that's like the Lord said everybody is going to live on cash you're going to live on food stamps I mean I was like come on Lord this is a ghetto gift I mean where's the good gifts like miracles and healing you know I, that's what I wanted to have in my life. Didn't realize the power that would, again, I hope y'all don't get offended me saying that. Oh, Jesus. I just, I'm thinking about it. But anyway, um, some people in their minds, because we don't understand completely the value of some of these things that are spiritual that God has given us, we can treat them as if they're, as if they're uh, nothing. But you know, anything that, and I've, I've explained this before, if it's, if it's a ministry Who gave us the ministry? Who gave us the ministry? God, right? God gave us the ministry. If you're called, who called you? Amen. You didn't call yourself. You wouldn't have called yourself. Amen. Well, you might have called yourself, but you did. some people done called the men calling themselves women and women calling themselves men. We go to calling ourselves and we, we get all kind of crazy, Right? But when God calls us, come on now, I'm preaching already. I haven't even hardly started. I've already been preaching. <laughs> when we call ourselves, we might call ourselves wrong. But what God calls us is right. And so the call of God came from who? God. It didn't, it didn't originate with us. It didn't come from us. It came from God. The ministry of reconciliation. Who gave it to us? God. So who did it come from? It came from God. Now, anything that comes from God first belonged to who? God. Amen. So if it was God's and he gave it to us. Let me ask you. See, some, some people, back when I was younger, the 70s, 
we we would uh, we had three cable TV was three channels. Was it three or four? Five, uh, it was four, five, nine, four, four, five, nine, and thirteen. Four, five, nine, and thirteen. That was the y'all believe that? That's the only channels we and that was cable. Four, five, nine, and thirteen. As a, and then, you know, it got better. You had 13 channels, 2 through 13, or 12 channels, 2 through 13. Now, um, they would show programs. Everybody had to watch the same stuff because there wasn't, a, there wasn't that much of a variety. Now you can watch all kinds of stuff, and you may not watch the same thing someone else watched. But back in the day, everybody was watching the same stuff because we only had four channels to choose from. And I remember one time they showed... Uh, uh, Elvis live on television. That was a big deal because Elvis, I, don't, I know some of you like, Elvis? Who's Elvis? But anyway, uh, Elvis was a big deal back when I was a kid. Now, I watched uh, when he was in concert in Hawaii and he's up there and he was, he is already the fat Elvis, you know? He'd, he's already kind of, you know, muffin topping over top of them britches, had a big old belly. You know, but, but boy, he, he, he was up there, you know, doing his thing. And he'd put these scarves and these handkerchiefs around his neck. Well, he'd pull that handkerchief off of his neck and he'd put it out. And these women would just be fawning, just passing out, screaming and crying because they got something from Elvis. <laughs> I know, listen, some of you like, that's disgusting. Yeah, but you know what? Think about when you was a younger and your favorite band, had you gotten something from one of them or someone that you admired, uh, you know, or now, you know, if you're, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, could, I could get out there. I remember when Gene Simmons threw his bloody towel out into the audience and I grabbed it. I was really stoked about that. I had it in my hand until four fellas yanked it, ripped it away from me. But anyway, you know, I wanted to have, I wanted to have something. I remember I went to a Jay Giles band concert and the guy, the lead singer of Jay Giles band took, uh, I had my hat on, I'm standing in the front. He took my hat off, he put it on for a couple of songs and then came back and put it on my head. Well, I hung it on the wall, you know, I was like, I took a picture of him with the, with the hat on and then I put the picture up in my room with the hat there next to it. it we, we, uh, if, if, a, if a thunder player, if uh, Dwayne Johnson, if uh, uh, Marissa's not here, but Russell Westbrook or, you know, some, some of these people that we, what was that? Michael Jordan. <laughs> see, see, Anna was looking at you when she said it too. <laughs> you know, we, we, we see value. But you know what? God says he gave us. I say God gave you something. Some of y'all like, Listen, it came from God. It came from the creator of the heavens and the earth. Glory to God. Amen. It came out of the hands and out of the heart of the one who created all things, who was, who is, and who is to come. Amen. Now, he gave it to us, and if God gave it to us, that must mean it has some anointing on it. Amen. So your call, look, tell, I want you to look at someone and tell them to say, your call has anointing on it. Amen. 
And see, that anointing is powerful. You know why? Because the anointing is yoke-destroying, burden-removing power. Amen. See, so we, we got to begin to think about these things in a manner that is way different than what we have. Because for us to really see the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God manifested in our lives, we first have to believe that it's yoke-destroying and burden-removing. Amen. <laughs> He's preaching. <laughs> so walk in a worthy manner of your call. So no matter what that call is, whether that call is a call to stand in a ministry office or if it's a call to um, if it's a call to uh, function in a ministry of helps. No matter what that call is, walk worthy of that call. In other words, walk in a fashion or in a manner that is worthy of that calling. Uh, facilitate that calling. Uh, position yourself to fulfill that calling. Now, it talks about uh, the uh, ministry gifts later on in this, uh, in this, in this uh, chapter, but we're not going to read about that. So go to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the gifts of the Spirit in this chapter. And then verse 12 says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so is it with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, uh, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? <clears throat> but, but as it is, God arranged. Look what it says. God arranged. Say, God arranged. God arranged. See, I want you all to get this. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Right. Do you all see that? See, some of us, we think, we think we're only special if God called us to do some kind of spectacular, some kind of big, what we consider to be some kind of big ministry where we're in front of people, maybe a pulpit ministry, maybe a ministry where we're in front of tens of thousands and millions of people. But listen, when, it's, when God arranged the members in the body and each one of them, he chose he chose as he saw fit, Ted. God, 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 God chose as he saw fit. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. The only one we've got to please is the Lord. <clears throat> we, listen to me, folks. You got to get your eyes off of trying to please people, and you need to start trying to please the Lord. Amen. Again, not, not that, not that, uh, not that, because some, because some people be like this. I don't need nobody but the Lord. I, uh, I don't care what anybody thinks. That, I'm not saying don't care what anybody thinks. I'm saying don't, don't just look to please men. You need to look to please God. 
And if what you're doing is pleasing to the Lord and you're doing what the Lord has chosen and called for you to do, there's going to be a segment of people that aren't going to be impressed by it. There are going to be people that aren't going to be... Im some of you aren't going to influence some people at all. Some of you aren't going to make an impact on very many people at all, except for those that God intended for you to make an impact on. Do y'all understand that? And so that's why we have to be willing to please the Lord and live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God because he's the only one really that's important. Now, will, um, will a, a part of pleasing the Lord, for me, a part of pleasing the Lord is that I, that I conduct myself, that I walk worthy of the calling that he's called me to. And that means that um, I can't run around this church acting all kind of crazy and saying all kind of crazy stuff and the uh, stuff that'll cause you to quit following me. Because my calling is to lead you to the place where God intends for you to, you understand? And so I, uh, my calling necessitates that I live in a manner that takes into consideration how to get you to follow my lead. Do, do y'all understand that? See, so, because some people, that they, they think that we're living this life and that it's black and white. That things are, uh, things are, um, oh, I think y'all know what I'm saying. I'm not going to keep trying. You know what I'm saying, right? We, we, don't, we don't think that, uh, we think that it's, uh, for example, there are people that say, Joel Osteen, he's, he's wishy-washy. Every time he gets up to talk, he never takes a strong stand for Christ. If it was me, I'd be out there and I'd be standing for Jesus. And you know what? You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have four and a half million people watching you every day either. You know, because some people have a calling where they're called to have an audience of four million. And instead of taking this, what we call a strong stand for Christ, some people, you know what? Um, when I go and catch fish, I'm trying to trick them. I'm, I'm throwing lures out there that look like something else. Sometimes I fish with a plastic worm. Well, guess what? If I'm fishing with a plastic worm, then the movements that I make with that worm have to mimic a worm. If I'm throwing a worm, I can't be, I can't be zipping it through the water like it's a minnow. I mean, I could, but my chances go down exponentially for catching a fish on that particular bait. Now, you know what? I can, I can fish a bait that looks like a minnow. And if I want to, I can rip that through the water as fast as I want to. You know why? Because I'm trying to mimic a minnow. But I'm trying to catch fish. See, what some people never stop to, what some people never stop to consider was this. Is Joel Osteen doing what he's doing to catch fish? When you look at one moment of someone's life, that's not the entirety of their lives. When you look at one, a person's one moment in ministry, that's not their whole ministry. 
I've never seen Joel Osteen do anything that was ungodly. The fact that he wouldn't take a stand against homosexuality on live television. Listen, I'm not sure that I would either because I know exactly where that's headed. I've got, some, I've got some idiot that has a microphone in his hand that's about to rip me up one side and down the other and try to make me look like a moron and try to make me look like I hate gay people because I, I took a stance against homosexuality on live television and, and the audience, that, that, that audience is only going to, they're not going to see the entirety of my life and the entirety of my ministry. They're going to see a five-minute segment where someone's going to try to make me look like a homo-hater. I know you say, well, you use homo. That's not fair. That's not politically correct. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just abbreviating it. <clears throat> I'm abbreviating it. I'm just abbreviating it. Y'all, are, y'all, are y'all hearing this? So say this with me. <laughs> say this with me. God, but God, say this. God arranged, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them, them. as he chose. chose. So you know what you got to figure out? You got to figure out what he chose for you to do. You know know what? Sheree is going to take a stand for Jesus, and it's going to be a hard stand. She, now, you know what? In America, she she may be able to garner a crowd of about five people, 10 people, 30 people. Maybe a hundred people, you know, something of that nature. But, you know, the Lord might drop her in the middle of Central America, and all of a sudden she's got an audience of 100,000 people. Or in Africa, and she's preaching to 2 million because she took this hard stance for Jesus. Now, she's got to walk worthy of the vocation. Reinhard Bonnke couldn't get a crowd of more than six or 7,000 people here in the United States of America. You, you put him in the middle of Africa, he got 8 million people in one service. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so what, what is your, what's your part? Some of you may not even have a, your audience may be an audience of one. That may, it might just be God who is your audience. And no one else even recognized. Nothing about your gift, nothing about your ministry, nothing about your life. It's just the Lord. Well, are you, are, you, are you effective in that way? Well, yeah, you are. If you're part of the body and God puts you in the body. We, we, got, we get people get mad at pastors all the time. Well, that pastor, he don't give nobody a chance. Everybody got a chance. Some of you act like the only place you can do ministry is within the four walls of this building. That it has to be sanctioned and ordained and recognized by, by a... You know what? It's not... The pastor didn't set you in the body. God set you in the body. Amen. Now, if you're going to do a work within the four walls of the church, then you're going to have to figure out how you work with the pastor of that church to fulfill what you feel like God called you to do within the four walls of the church. But to... But to uh, but to dumb down the work of God so much to believe that it could only work and be effective if other preachers and other ministers and other people recognize it. It's, that's just, it's just not good. Anyway, if all were a single member, 
Y'all still with me? Verse 19. If all were a single, with a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, be, we bestow the greater honor. And our un, un, unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. <laughs> Did you hear that? There are some parts of the body that need to remain hidden. I'm about to throw this microphone. You know, why, why, do, why is it that we have gone through our whole walks as Christians and no one has ever preached on the modest parts? Any of, all ever, any of y'all ever get a pro- prophecy that said this? Lord says that you are a modest part. Lord says that you're going to remain hidden. No one's going to even know who you are. Other people are going to get credit for your ministry because you're going to be so quiet. Other people are going to think it's the people around you that are getting it done. Because, because you, you, the, part, the role that you play is a role that is hidden. It, it doesn't need to be out there. A call platter for Jesus. <laughs> A liver for the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. All right. Some parts are treated with great modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Amen. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping. So let's, let's look at these real quick. God has appointed in the church first apostles. We know what apostles are, right? So ap- apostle is a ministry office. First apostles, second prophets. We know what prophets are. It's a, a ministry office. After that, teachers. We know what that is. That's a ministry office. Then miracles, then gifts of healing. What's, what's that office? Miracles and gifts of healing. It's the evangelistic office. It's the evangelistic office. So there's another ministry office. Then there's helping or the ministry of helps. The ministry of helps. Look at someone say the ministry of helps. Now, let me ask you a question. And I want, I want you all to give me some answers here. What is the ministry of helps? What falls into the category now, we know, we know the gifts of healing and miracles fall into the category of evangelist. Because when we look at Scripture, the reason I say this is because when we look at Scripture, evangelists had those giftings manifested in their, uh, in their ministries. So when we talk about the gift, of, uh, the gift of helps or the ministry of helps, someone, someone tell me what a ministry of helps would be. What would that be? Ministry of helps. Hmm? So let's, let's talk about ministries within the church. 
Worship team. Worship team would be a ministry of helps. Connections in our church would be a ministry of helps. You know what? We, we gave Tyler the title, him and Ayla, of associate pastors. Do you know that that's not, script, that's not in scripture, associate pastor? But you know, you know what we're saying by that when we say associate pastor? He is a pastor in training. And while he's training, he's going to stand in the helps ministry where he's going to be helpful to the office of the pastor because he's not yet stepped into that office. We recognize there's, how many of y'all recognize there's a pastoral gift on Tyler and Ayla? Amen. They didn't even see it. But then when it began to be revealed, it's plain as the nose. It's like, how could we have missed it? Well, because it wasn't yet being made, made known or made manifested. But now that it's being made known and being made manifested, it's like, okay, I see it. I see it. All right. So uh, now, does Pastor, does, uh, even though we give him the title of Pastor Tyler and Ayla, the, of Pastor Ayla, are they pastors in the same sense that I'm the pastor? No. No. It's a different thing altogether. It's a different thing altogether. Why? Are y'all listening? Are y'all listening? Y'all get this? Because this is where people get confused. They're like, well, you know what? If Pastor Tyler is, is, a, is, a, is called to be a ministry gift, then maybe shouldn't we, you know, shouldn't, um, you know, we talk about submitting to ministry gifts and ministry offices. Isn't it, shouldn't that be, shouldn't we be submitting to him and to his ministry in the same manner that we submit to someone who stands in the office of a pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist? Well, no, because where he's at right now is ministry of helps. <laughs> All right. Come on, some of y'all are some of y'all are dropping off now. Okay. Are you are you are you working your brain? You, you trying to process this? <clears throat> so at, at what at what point then does does Tyler become uh, a ministry office pastor? Well, when he, when, when he steps over it, when God takes and transitions him over to that place. Now, do we honor, do we honor him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Just like we honor you. But when we're up that certain creek without a paddle and when what's in that creek hits the fan and all those, you know, things that people say, where's, where does the buck stop? Where do we look to? Amen. 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 We look to those that God has set in an office that gives oversight to the, which would be, you know, and again, this can sound very self-serving, but that's the order. That's the order of scripture. It's the way God, and the, the here's the reason why God, listen to me, y'all. Y'all remember we talked about this. Why, why does there need to be order? Because with, with no order, there's chaos. You can't manage chaos. So there's got to be order. So God set order in the church. Here it is. First apostles, second prophets, then teachers, then evangelists, then ministry of helps, then administrating, which are pastors, and then various kinds of tongues. <laughs> so there's, there's these ministries that are in the, that God has given and put in the church. So there's order. 
Now, why did God put order in the... Well, God put me as the pastor so I could tell y'all what to do. No, that's not why... He, that's not why he set me in as the pastor. God put me in as pastor so that I could have an income. No! That's not... Listen, that's not why God... Now, am I going to receive an income? Yes. Am, am I sometimes going to tell y'all, hey, uh, this is what I think we need to do? Yes. Yes, but you know what? It'll never, it'll never be like it is within a, uh, a, a secular corporation. It may be similar, but it's not the same. It may be similar, but it's not the same. Because you know what? I'm going to, uh, amen. This must not be interesting to people at all here. Um, and I'm, I am trying to get to the, to the, to the meat of this, but... I think it's important that we understand this part of it because some people, they, they, they miss out on this part. So when someone stands in a ministry office, in, in a ministry offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, when someone stands in one of those offices, God set those offices in the church, according to Ephesians chapter 4, to perfect the saints. In other words, to build the saints up, to help them to grow. For the, for, for the perfecting of the saints, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You know, people say, why are evangelists in the church? Why aren't they out there preaching to the lost? Because God said evangelists in the church. Do you know the number one responsibility of an evangelist isn't to win the lost, but it's to train God's people to win the lost? To mobilize God's people to win the, the... The main calling of an evangelist is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry of an evangelist. To edify the body. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. Until we all come in the unity of faith and knowledge unto a perfect man, unto the stature of the measure of the fullness of Christ. And so that's, that's what those fivefold ministry giftings, God has set them apart and set them in church for, to, 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 uh, to be the chin. So if you had to look at it, if you had to look at it from the, the, the body, Christ is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. Scripture describes it like this. This is the place of commanded blessing where brethren dwell in unity. It's like the oil that was poured over Aaron that flowed off of his head. And this is the picture. Christ is the head. It flowed off of his head. And then what does it say? And into his beard. Into his beard. Do you know in the, in the Bible, the beard, the, a, a man's beard determined his level of maturity. It also, when the Bible talks about beard, it also is speaking of the spokesman of God. Uh, I, I don't have time to get into it, but, but the, there are places in Scripture where when it talks about the beard, it's talking about the chin men. The chin men. In other words, the men that speak for the Lord. Prophets were chin men. Kings were chin men. Priests were we're chin men. And that's, that's how scripture indicated. The head has always been God, has always been Christ. But that oil flows down from the head, then into those that God has called, into those offices that, that represent his voice in the body. And then it flows down, and then it says it flows down through the whole body, all the way to, to the feet, all the way to the ends 
of uh, or the bottom of the robe and all the way to the feet. So there's, a, there's an order. Say order. order. Do you know why that order exists? To eliminate chaos. Right. Amen. That order exists so that when things, when things get, go off the rails, you know where to go to. Amen. Some people, they can't figure, they, they still hadn't figured out where to go to when things go off the rails. Some people think they ought to come directly to me. Now, listen, if things are off the rails so bad that you have to come to me, and that happens a time, you know, happen, that has happened a time or two. But then, you know, things go off the rails. And if, if, if someone, if a kid throws up in the nursery and lives a, leaves a big old pile of vomit in the middle of the room, um, ga, ga, Gaby, I was going to say Gabriella, I was going to call you by, listen, I'm getting, it's getting serious. I'm calling you Gabriella. Um, Gaby, <laughs> Gaby is not going to run in here, stop the service and say, Pastor, Jack, Jack, <laughs> left a big old pile of vomit in the middle of the nursery. Can you, can you? What do, can you give me some direction? How, what do we do? Clean it up. All right. That, that, we know that's not what happens, right? They don't come running out of here every little thing that happened in that nursery. But you know what? If there's vomit, I'll bet, I'll bet there's someone in this room that's going to hear about it. Who, who, who do you go to for vomit? Uh, yeah, you keep it within the ranks. Andrew takes care of it, don't you, Andrew? <laughs> Pastor, we have so many backpacks. They're, they're, they're so disorganized. We don't know what to do. Nobody came and told me about no backpacks disorganized. There was, there was a place to go for that. Now, there's someone here that I reckon could have done something about the organization of backpacks. Done. <laughs> so you know what you fi you figure out the order you figure out the order some people they think that the only person they ought to be going to is the pastor no honestly uh, you, ought to, you ought to be looking everywhere else before you look to the because there's order there's order amen Pastor, we saw Titus on the corner selling drugs. That, that, you should come to me with that one. Shree's like, no, come to me. Come to me. Yeah, probably Shree first. But Shree, you know, but Shree, she'll be, she be coming right away. You know what? Shree knows when to kick it up the, kick it up the ladder. You know how far to kick it up the ladder. But you know what? That's for order. That's for order. Why, why do we want order? Well, because we don't want chaos. Right. And so order has been established by God. Right. Now, if we're going to understand order, we have to first understand authority. Oh, yeah. Not every problem in the city goes to the mayor. Not every problem in the city is elevated to the police unless you live next to Karen. <laughs> I 
I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> Listen, I never heard no Mexican say that. <laughs> yeah, cops don't come until the knives came out, but then they ain't even hanging around. <clears throat> so ministry of helps, worship team, uh, temple ministry, which is the, the cleaning of the church, the coordinating of, of a setup, tear down at events, you know, temple ministry. What are, what are the specific ministries within the church that kind of are uh, church-wide, all, all over? Kids ministry, media, outreach, men's ministry, women's ministry, singles, youth, prayer, healing room at our church. Everything, everything that is not a ministry gift is a helps ministry. Did you hear what I just said there? Everything that is not a ministry, if you're not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, then whatever you do falls in under the category of helps ministry. In other words, you're going to play a supporting role to whatever office is, in, is set in the church or whatever offices. Now, in our church, I, I have a ministry gift. Uh, Tyler definitely has a ministry gift that's working in him, but he's not the set one. He's not the pastor of this church. But in my absence, y'all will honor, you know, in mine and Annie's absence, y'all will honor him and Ayla as if, you know, they were standing in that office. Cherie's a ministry gift. There are people that, uh, that uh, glean from that gift. Miss Rhonda, it's clear. You know what? Miss Rhonda started out, glory to God. You know, Miss Rhonda started out as a teacher, but boy, she's developed into a preacher. And ben, uh, not Ben, but uh, Pastor Trocal called you out on it too, boy. He's like, boy, you're a preacher. I was like, boy, you don't even know. Amen. Miss Rhonda is a preacher of the word of God. Um, more moving toward evangelism. And I, I, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, that's a powerful ministry. So y'all see that, right? Now, if you, step, if you step into a ministry office, it's going to be recognized. When Tyler, when Tyler and Ailey began to step over into a pastoral ministry office, was, was it recognized? See, some of y'all, are y'all listening to me still? How in the world is it you think that, you're, that we're going to miss it when you step into something? Can nobody miss it? Because when you start stepping into an office, it starts to become more and more and more. I, listen, some of you waiting on me to, because you think if I recognize your office that somehow or another, it's going to bring more honor or greater recognition to you. It is not. It is not. The recognition of men does not. It's when God begins to, begins to show forth those things through your life. Even, look, Don, Don with his, with his deaconing. Cherie with her evangelism. Ted with his armor bearing. Nakia with her worshiping. Gabe with his, with his uh, worshiping and preaching now. Listen, when he got up here and preached, wasn't nobody like, mm, I don't know. No, we was all like, 
Wow, and maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a mess, isn't he, Ted? Yeah. I give you permission to smack him. <laughs> you ain't felt a smack till you felt a smack with them sausage fingers. <laughs> Ted got some big old thick sausage fingers, boy. Even when he's thin, he had them big old fingers. <laughs> Anyhow, you're getting slim, Ted. You're getting down there. Brains on. So now let's go to the book of, uh, where was it? First Timothy, chapter 3. Any questions in regards to what I've already talked about? So, so here's the thing. So, so do we, uh, so is what you're saying, pastor, is that we are all called to serve uh, pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets, that we are all called to, to serve those people? No, you're called to serve the Lord. And in your service to the Lord, a part of your service to the Lord may, it may appear you know, one time Ted and I were in Mountain View, Arkansas, and uh, Tony, what was it, Tony Smith, is that his name, Tony Smith? Tony, he was a good old boy, Tony. He had a wife named Tisha. It's Tony and Tisha. That's how he talked. He introduced himself, Hi, I'm Tony, this is my wife, Tisha. Tony and Tisha Smith. He was a hunting and fishing guide. He, he, was, he was with the, we, were, we was with him. He took his fishing. He was talking to the game warden. They said, Tony, you've been hunting lately? He says, nah, taillights out in my deer stand. Because he would shoot deer from his truck. <laughs> Which is illegal. But he's telling, he's telling the game warden. And the game warden said, we have a great picture of Tony aiming at one of these deer that they put out as a decoy. It has a camera to catch people that are poachers. And they got a picture of him, and they put it up at the at the at the uh, uh, at the station, uh, just because all the all the rangers and all the all them people knew Tony, and they used it to harass him. But that was but that was Tony. Tony's just a good old boy. He's a he's a Arkansas fella, he's in Mountain View, Arkansas. And listen, he'd take you out back and whoop you in the name of Jesus. That was him. But one day, one day after Ted and I were there for about three or four weeks, he, we were sitting at dinner and he says, I finally got y'all figured out. He says, I've been trying to figure out y'all out for a while. Been trying to get it straight, trying to figure out y'all's what y'all do. And, and I said, so you got it figured out, Tony? He said, yeah, I figured it out. Uh, he's the slave and you're the master. I was like, well, you got something figured out. I'm not sure what it is, but you got... Because, because in the natural, when we're serving the Lord, you know what it may look like? It may look like... Oh, amen. Some of y'all been called ziggonites. It's not about it because some of y'all like somebody say something and say something about some, something crazy like, well, you know... I'm just, you know, I don't know what the Lord's trying to tell me. And then your response is, Pastor Zig said the Lord ain't trying to tell you nothing. Right. Pastor Zig said the devil's trying to kill you. Right. 
And some, you know what some people's response is? Pastor, well, it ain't about pastors. You need to get your eyes off of a man, right? And then how they be, you, you got your eyes on a man. Pastor Zig this, Pastor Zig that. Well, you know, what, the, what they don't understand is, is that you can, you can say Pastor Zig said, and your eyes may not be on a man at all. Oh, Ted, can I tell a story? Oh, Ted, it's about you. One, one time, Ted and Debbie were struggling in their, you know, in their marriage, in their relationship. Is it okay if I talk about this, Ted? There was, you know, you, you think, Ted? Ted and Debbie struggle in their relationship? Ted and Debbie? They was, they was going through difficulty. And we were, we were at a church where, uh, in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and Ted was like, uh, Brother Ziggy, me and, me and Debbie, we need some counseling. I'm like, I ain't your pastor. Well, you, you know, we've been traveling with you for a long time. I said, I know, but you in a, we're in a church now. I think, I said, I'm not, sure that, I'm not sure that I can help you as much as you need it. So schedule with pastor to talk with them and see, you know, if they can. So Ted and Debbie go in there to talk to the pastor of the church we're at. And uh, first thing they say is, now, what's the, what's the problem? And, and you know, what's going on? Because they, they said this. They said this way. They said, I think we've already identified what the trouble is. And so they said, so what, what are y'all struggling? Well, we're having a hard time. They, they told them, you know, what they're having a hard time with. And so then both of them, pastor and his wife, look at Ted and they said, answer this question. Do you love your wife more than you love Brother Ziggy? Wow. And you know what Ted did? Ted goes. <laughs> and the pastor's wife looked and said, you don't even have to answer the question. We know the answer to it. You poor thing, Debbie. Now, here's the thing. I know Brother Ted. I, I, listen, me and this brother, we lived in the same room in a hotel. Listen, we didn't live in a house together. We lived in a hotel room for nearly 30 years, day in, day out, week in, week out. We didn't get a break. We had to ride in the same car, eat in the same restaurants, hang out with the same people. Then the dude wanted to come over when we was at home. When you hang out with someone that long, you get to know them. Listen, this brother knows me. And I know him. And so when, when Ted told me this, Ted told me, he said, I said, Ted, how'd your first counseling session go? He's like, oh, I wasn't good. No, it wasn't good. I said, well, what happened? He, he said, well, and then he told me. And they said this, and I said, and he said, and I was thinking. And I said, well, did you open up your mouth and tell him what you was thinking? Well, that, I just sit there. I, he says, I'm not as quick as you are when it comes to, you know, getting my words connected to my mind. 
You're, you're faster than I am. He said, I thought about it later, but it was already too late. We was already gone. I was like, well, I said, well, Ted, counselor, you got to, you know, you got to talk. You can't, you can't just sit there. He said, well, I, I just thought I better be quiet because they was ganging up on me and stuff. And I said, well. so you know what? When Ted, when Ted heard, when Ted heard that question, now I know Ted and I said, Ted, when you heard that question, what did you think? He said, well, he says, I know I don't love you more than I love Debbie. He said, but you're connected to what the Lord told me to do. He said, and so when they asked me, do I love you more than I love Debbie? I had to, I had to figure out what they was really asking me. I had to figure out whether they was asking me if I loved doing what the Lord told me to do more than Debbie. Am I more committed to what the Lord told me to do than I am committed to Debbie? So, see, that's what was going through Ted's mind. Because I was connected to what the Lord told Ted. You know what the Lord told Ted? The Lord told Ted to serve in a ministry of helps for me. Now, you know what? Ted didn't know what that was in the beginning. So do you know what he did? He tried to figure it out. He's like, how can I? Lord said to help Brother Ziggy to do the ministry. How can I help? How can I help? So you know what Ted did? He took out my trash. Because he didn't know what to do. Did I need my trash taken out? No, I got two hands. I got two. Listen, I'm not, I'm not physically incapable of taking out my trash. But you know what he thought? He thought if I take out his trash, then he doesn't have to take the time to take out his trash. And that'll give him more time to do whatever it is the Lord's told him to do in ministry. So his ministry was to create the time for me to spend time in ministry. Now, is that scriptural? Yes, it is. In fact, the Bible says this. In the book of Acts, that when uh, there was a complaint among the widows and the, uh, and the orphans about them not getting their food on time, the apostles got together and said, it's not good for us to have to take time away from prayer and the studying of the word of God to wait on tables and to figure this out. So let's appoint some helpers. Let's appoint some people. And he said this, men that are full of wisdom. Men that are full of the Holy Ghost. He didn't, he didn't say this. Let's find some old idiot that doesn't have nothing to do. Let's put him in there so that we can appease him. Get him off of our back. Let's find some simpleton. Someone that, someone that lacks ability. Maybe their character's off a little bit. Maybe they love Jesus, but they drink a little. No, he said, find some that are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, that are reputable, ones that people look up to. Let's appoint them to be over this, and we'll continue to give ourselves over to the world. So they did it, and they appointed someone named Stephen. And the Bible goes into his story. Y'all remember the story of Stephen? Do I need to explain that? All right. So here's the thing. The apostles didn't do that so that they could be served the apostles didn't do that so that they wouldn't have to perform menial tasks. Now, let me ask you this. Are there, are there preachers and are there people in the body of Christ that are 
pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets that, put, that appoint people to do stuff because they don't want to be encumbered with menial tasks because they feel like, does that happen? Yeah. Yes, it does. It happens way too many times. I've watched pastors and preachers travel with entourages of people, and the only reason they do is because they think somehow or another that it makes them look better, that someone's taken off their jacket, and someone else is handing them their water, and someone else is taking their Bible out of their briefcase and putting it on their lap, that someone is straightening their hair. Now, there's some preachers, they say, this is your job. Make sure my hair is straight. That's what God called you to do. No, that is not what. But do you know what? Ted, when we would travel, one time I was preaching at Paul Trochel's church. I was preaching, and there was this long hair. I'd, I'd, I'd picked it up from some long-haired woman before church whenever we were, you know, greeting one another. Maybe I, you know, because I always side hug. I, well, there was a hair caught right here, and I would walk by and that thing would be flying. Oh, was it stuck to my head? All right, it was stuck to my head. I knew good and well it wasn't mine. And it was waving back and forth. I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Finally, Ted, Ted gets up and he goes like this. And I'm like, what are you doing, Ted? I'm in the middle of preaching. He goes, you had a hair stuck to you. It was flying around. Paul Trochel said, man, I'm glad you got it. It was bothering me. <laughs> now, you, now, here's the deal. Did, did, did I tell Ted? Now, Ted, it is your job. Thus says the Lord. It's your responsibility to make sure that I don't have nothing in my teeth, that I don't have anything hanging out my nose, that I don't have a hair out of place. Go ahead, man. No, but you know what? Ted, in his service to the Lord, he's like, if that's bothering me, that's probably bothering somebody else. Go ahead, man. I'm going to get rid of the distraction. Now, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure of it. I'm sure that Ted thought, when I do this, Brother Ziggy's probably going to say something to me right here in front of everybody. In front of all 400 of these people, he's going to say something crazy. So I have to be ready. <laughs> Listen, if you hang out with me, you know that's the way it is. I, I watched I watch, I watch the, watch the wheels cranking Sharif trying to figure out whether she ought to do something or not. Because she's like, I know he's going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? They're going to honor God. They're going to do what the Lord said. That's right. All right. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. So in this, in this church, I don't, listen, I don't need someone to carry my Bible. I got two hands and two arms. I'm, I'm well, I'm well able to carry my iPad, to carry my phone. But some of y'all, you see my phone and my iPad laying there, and you're like, it would be helpful to pass the zig. It's not a requirement, but it's helpful. And you want to help. That's if that's your ministry to help, well, then help. 
When I told Ted, I don't need for you to take my trash out, Ted. He's like, I, I'm, I'm just going to take care of it. Ted, put it down. Now I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do this. Ted, put it down. Nah, it's all right. I got it. <laughs> then he came in and washed my dishes. I'm like, Ted, I don't need for you to wash my dishes. I know. Ted, put my dishes down. There was, listen, you can't, you can't stop him. You can get angry. He don't care. You can get as mad as you. You can get as mad as you want to get. I can get in front of you like, oh, Ted don't care. Putting dishes away. I'm like, why aren't you doing that, Ted? Can I tell the rest of this, Ted? I'm not. I'm not throwing you under the bus. This. This is my friend. Ted is my friend. I don't have. I, I don't think I have a better friend on this planet than this man right here. Y'all hear that? This, this guy here, he's my brother. Amen. Amen. That's, why we, that's why we be the way kind of we are with one another. I, I, I got to be careful, though. He's sensitive. He gets sensitive. So I, I try to be mindful. I'm getting, I think I've gotten better the older I've got, Ted. Well, Ted started thinking, you know what? I want other people to be able to serve with the same joy that I served with. I want to give other people an opportunity to serve. And so he, he told me that. He said, I think I'm going to give people, now that we've got Winner's Church, I'm going to give some other people, some of them younger people. He says, I'm getting long in the tooth. I, he, I'm getting tired. I'm going to let some other people serve. I'm like, well, Ted, you got to be careful with that. Because if you abandon your post, if you, if, you, if, you, if you step off of what you've been doing, there's going to be someone that's going to step in because that stuff has to be done. I said, so, you know, you, you should want to see other people come up, but you got to be careful that you don't abandon your post. And he was like, yeah, I, I think, you know, Tyler and them and all them, they're going, they need to, they need to step it up. All right, well. So he began to pull way back. And let other people step up. Well, people began to step up. Ayla stepped up. Tyler stepped up. Cherie stepped up. Many of you stepped up and you started doing. Well, after a while, you know what Ted said? He came to me. He says, I don't feel like you need me anymore. Now, this is going to sound very insensitive. But you know what I told Ted? I never needed you, Ted. I never needed you to do any of the things that you do. I was capable of doing those things. My, not that it did. Now, see, we, this is where we get sensitive because you know what? What happened was Ted, he started doing it for me. And I never needed it. In fact, in the beginning, I didn't even want it. But once Ted began to take up a lot of slack, I became dependent on what he was doing because it freed me up to do the things. It really did. It freed me up to do things that I wouldn't have been able to do had Ted not been there. But did I need to? No, I was capable of doing it. And when Ted started, he wasn't doing it because 
Remember when he took my trash out? What did I say? Don't do that. I don't need you to do that. Ted said, I don't care whether you need it or not. I ain't doing it because you need it. I'm doing something for the Lord here. When he washed my dishes, I told him, I don't need you to do stop. But that didn't stop him. The fact that I didn't need him didn't stop him. Now, all of a sudden, he's like, well, I feel like you don't need me anymore. You know what? It was stopping him because he got his eyes off of, come on, y'all. See, that's what happens to us, church. That, that's what happened to us last year. That's why we didn't do outreach last year because it was more about what, what, uh, what was being inflicted on us, how we was being I feel like my time is being taken advantage of. Hmm? Yeah, it's called being used. Remember what you said to the Lord? Use me, Lord. And now you feel used and you're like, man, I feel used. You asked the Lord to use you. Did you think it was always going to feel good? when God? Man, God's used me. It didn't always feel good. See, when we always keep it clear that we're serving the Lord, that we're serving the Lord and in our serving the Lord, you know what? I'm up here serving the Lord. And in the process of me serving the Lord, I'm serving you. I'm giving you the word of God. Amen. I get to pray for y'all. I get to minister healing. I get to minister words of prophecy. I get to pray over you in tongues and sometimes interpret those tongues. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sometimes I get to run the devil out of your life. Amen. Sometimes we get to come into agreement together. Glory to God. Amen. But you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not doing that to serve. I'm serving the Lord. And in the process of me serving the Lord, I get to do these other things. Well, I told Ted, when I told Ted, Ted, I never needed you. And I, t- I, I warned him. I said, this, don't get your feelings hurt. I said, I never needed you to do that. I never did. Never have. Never did need you. Now, did you help? Yes. I said, but need? No. We have to be careful that we don't, we don't get ourselves into that place. Because you know what? Then you go to thinking, well, this church don't appreciate me. Some people around here get special treatment. And some people seem to get buried and covered up. Yeah, some people need covered up. (laughs) Do, Do we ever read the Bible? Remember, where we, remember what we said? There are some parts that require modesty and there are other parts that are out front and visible. Right. Not everyone is out front and visible. Not every part of your... Listen, if, if you come up in here with parts of your body hanging out that don't need to be hanging out, we're going to ask you to put them away. In fact, the church spent a whole lot of time doing that in the past. <laughs> You had to put your elbows away. You had to put your wrists away. You had to put your knees away. You had to put your ankles away. Women, women had to be covered from neck to toe. All of it had to be put away. 
And they said it was the Lord. It was really men that needed deliverance. But anyhow. <laughs> and you know they was kind of right. Because now you got people on OnlyFans selling pictures of their feet. That holiness church, they knew what they was talking about. <laughs> Cover yourself up because these men are out of control. <laughs> Is this helping anybody at all here? Do you have any questions up to this point? Anybody have any questions? I'll give you an opportunity to ask. But pastor, we, we, feel, we feel when we do these things like we're, we are helping you. Well, you are. You're, you're helping me to do what God called me to do. But here's the thing. It's not that I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do what God called me to do with or without. Just like you're going to do what God called you to do. Or you ought to be able to do what God called you to do with or without me. Now, some of us, I know God's called us to labor. Miss Rhonda, God has called us to labor together. Sheree, God's called us to labor together. Ted, I haven't been able to. I've fired you 25 times. You're still here. I, I, I left Ted in the middle of nowhere like a, you know, like some people do a dog or cat they don't want. I have left him where he couldn't find his way home and he rolled up at my house the next day. Thank God for the Amen. <laughs> so we do. We have a love for one another. We have a love for one another. We love one another. We respect one another. You know what? If I see someone about to scrap with Miss Rhonda, listen, I'm, I'm taking off my coat. I'm getting ready to scrap with her. You understand? She ain't about to scrap by herself. That goes for any of y'all. Come on now. When Nakia and Lewis, listen, Nakia and Lewis went through a time with Emory, you know, when Emory passed. Uh, Lewis, do you mind if I say just one thing? I'm not going to put anything way out there. When we showed up, when I showed up at that hospital and saw Nikki and Lewis, and Emory had just passed, I remember that chaplain at that, at that hospital. He was, he was up in there, and he was like all in the Kool-Aid. And I'm like, why is this guy in the Kool-Aid? And he's sitting there listening to us. And it finally hit me. They're trying to, fig they're trying to figure out if there's, anything, um, if there's anything nefarious going on. Listen, Lewis was like, these people won't even let me see my son. And he started to get a little riled up. Listen, I was like, oh, man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm old, but I'm ready. They might knock me down. I'll bite their ankles. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that's because we have a relationship. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Don't tell Pastor Annie I said this. Since she's in, the, she don't, she can't hear back there. <laughs> we was driving. We was driving to get some food the other day. Tyler and Ayla was behind us in their car. Pastor Annie and myself were up front. 
Tyler and I were back there, and there's this crazy woman. I don't know what had happened, but she's honking at Tyler. She's she flipping him off. She's yelling out the window at him. And, and Annie, listen, Pastor Annie, just, she's just as sweet as can be. Oh, you know, you know, you know, Pastor Annie, you know, she got her songs on. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, go ahead, sister. Amen. She, she like this. She look in the rear view mirror and see what's. Hey, there's somebody. There's somebody back there messing with Tyler. And that woman come honking and, and she slowed down. That woman's honking and Annie slowed down. Rolled down my window. She started yelling out the window. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? I'm like. <laughs> now I'm rolling like Pastor Mikey in the car. <laughs> that, that woman was like, I was honking at him. And he goes, I know who you was honking at, but I'm telling you, you need to back off. You need, you don't understand. Listen, Ty, Tyler just rolled his window back up. He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to, since it's not me that's, you know, uh, that me was out here. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I'm like, I'm deli- I've been delivered. <laughs> the hold the devil had on me. He ain't got no more. I've been delivered. <laughs> so I'm trying to make light of you. I'm trying to get Annie to lighten up. And this, this girl next to me, and Annie's like, you better, you better you, just go on. Just drive. Just get on out of here. And that girl's like, or what? Or what? And so I started looking at her. I was going, or what? Or what? <laughs> well, she started laughing, you know, and... <laughs> By the time we got to our destination, you know, it was a, a light thing. But listen, Pastor Annie was about to throw down. I was like, Annie, we in northwest Oklahoma City. We on Meridian here. Meridian and I-40. <laughs> I'm like, baby, you know, uh, I mean, go to Edmond and pick a fight. Not at Meridian and I-40. You know, and Edmund, they'll just drive away. <laughs> they'll be back with the people. They'll be back with some people. <laughs> then I'm going to be like, me no hablo, no hablo. No me entiendo. No me estoy aquí comiendo, no más. No más comiendo. Because uh, we have a love for, right? We have a love for one another. We have a love for one another. So it, it is, it's difficult to keep that straight. 
But you know what, church? We got to learn how to keep it straight. That way, that way when pastor says, um, hey, uh, I need for you to, I need for you to, I need for you to, uh, um, we're not going to, I know that you were scheduled to preach, but I ain't going to have you preach today. There's, some, there's something else going on that we're not like, why does this only happen when I'm going to preach? Never happens with Hilda. It actually does. Never happens with David. Well, no, because David backs out. But anyway. <laughs> I love you, David. <laughs> now, David, be like. You know, if someone else feels the anointing. <laughs> no, he just hadn't had a whole lot of time to prepare. David, David go preach more this year. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Oh, <laughs> So we're, we're serving the Lord. And then we get to do things for one another. You know, Tyler helped me out so much during this revival. He, 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 uh, he saw to it things that weren't uh, in his job description, which he doesn't have one. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but th things, things that he, he wasn't asked to do. You know, uh, amen. Sister Rachel. Brandon. Brandon rolled up in here with a bunch of roast, roast beef. Rachel was sick, and Brandon, Brandon rolled up in here like, she told me what to do. I'm hoping it would turn out all right. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Listen, I was like, come on, Brandon. Come on, Brandon. And then that word you got. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, Lord, see you with them roast beef deals. The Lord said, I like you, Brandon. See, we don't understand that those are the things that please the Lord. Those are the things that cause God to trust it. Now, me saying these things can sound self-serving because a lot of what you're going to do, you're going to do to help to uh, the forward movement of this church and the the ministry that God has given me stewardship over. And, but it's, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how the Lord has done this with me, but for years, I have, I have Ted, Ted will tell you, there have been people that travel with it. I'm going to end with this. People, there have been people traveled with me over the years. And Ted, of course, Ted would try to, he would try to serve in the same capacity. He would try to serve others in the same way that he served my ministry. And you know what? There were some people that they, they became entitled. They expected Ted. They, they, they would, they'd go on two trips and they'd be like, hey, Ted, you know, be careful with my bags because when you took my bag in the other time, you, you left a mark on it. That's a new bag. There's one year Ted bought a family Christmas. A preacher family. 
bought them Christmas. The next year, they're like, uh, do you need our list now? Do you want our list? Because, you know, we know you started the tradition last year. You know what, Ted, Ted called me. He's like, what do I do? I was like, yeah, do what the Lord told you to do. Lord told you, Lord told you last year to do it. Did he tell you this year? Now, well, then there you go. You know what? Just because God called you to serve in this church doesn't mean God calling you to serve that way in all the whole church. Amen. See, so I bring a guest in here. Some of y'all might not, you might, you might not be about serving that guest in the same way that you've served in the church. You know what? That's okay. You just back up. Amen. Amen. But some of y'all, because of the love you have for Jesus and the commitment you have to the work that God's called us to do, you'll serve with gladness in the same capacity whoever walks through that door who's our guest. But you know what? It's not a slave-master relationship. Anyone who takes advantage of that, now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving y'all permission, but anyone who takes it, they're in a wrong spirit. They're in a wrong, does that, does that mean we change what we're doing? No, we don't change it. You know, some people, they went and served in a church and after they served in a church because they served and served and served, I had a girl come talk to me at, at our church over on Western and she had served at a church of someone that I know and, and she said, yeah, you know, I've, I finally figured it out. I, I've been talking with a counselor and I figured that I was spiritually abused. I was like, how was you spiritually abused? Well, you know, I was taken advantage of. They just let me do all this stuff and, and you know, for voluntary, no pay. And, and, you know, I felt guilty if I didn't do it. And, and, and uh, um, you know, it was just uh, uh, I was taken advantage of. I said, were, were you taken advantage of or were you trying to find your place? Right. I have felt guilty for... Listen, when, what, that first night that Ben was here and, we, and, we, and, and, and Gabe and them kept on going with worship and I, had a, I felt a sense of responsibility to take our guests and feed them. You know what? Both of us got back there and we're like, should we be back here? Maybe we should just like not eat and go back into the sanctuary. It's a part of the process. It's not abuse. <laughs> Listen, if you're, if you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart and as a service unto the Lord, then it's always a good thing. Well, what if somebody don't, re what if somebody don't receive it right? There's going to be plenty of them people. You got to be careful because you're not doing it for them. Heck, Sheree was with me one, we was at a Mexican restaurant in Richmond, Indiana. Woman fell down, slipped on some stuff, and fell down, and man, she, she messed up her wrist. I went over there, man, compassion rose up in me. I ran over there, I'm like, ma'am, are you okay? And I, and I just, I barely touched her wrist. She was like, ah! I think she thought I worked there. I did look like the others, you know, that were kind of around. 
<laughs> I think she was going a little bit. But I was just going to offer a prayer. I'm like, listen, I was, I just, I was going to pray for you. No, nah, I don't want prayer. I said, oh, okay, I'll leave you here. Under my breath, I was like, you nasty thing. You know, I didn't say it out loud, though, you know, because I, I was trying to do what was in my heart to do. You know, sometimes when we're doing what the Lord puts in our heart, it's not met with what we expect. But you know what? It doesn't change our heart toward the Lord. Are y'all hearing any of this today? Any questions? Any questions? That, that's, that's the heart that we need to have. Um, no one, listen, none of you are being taken advantage of. You can stop doing what, you, what you're doing anytime. Here's the thing. If you stop, the, I, I, this is what I tell people all the time. We are, we are working together with the Holy Spirit. Different parts of the body fulfilling. If any of you at any time drop out, whether it be in the flesh or whether it be the Lord saying, time for you to, to move on in a different direction, then someone will come and assume your role. That, that, your post will not remain abandoned. Just know this. If you go away from something, be sure that you need to go away from it. Or if you go away from it in the flesh, realize that there's a good possibility that that role may not be there when you get back. Not because pastor's punishing you. But because the work is going to get done. And God is not going to leave anything undone. Amen. What, 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 you know, what if I got, what, what if, what if, what if, when y'all got here, Joe had a recording and I, it was me on the recording. Well, y'all, I was going to come today, but y'all didn't amen me enough on Sunday, so I'm kind of in the flesh right now and I reckon I might be over it next Sunday, but I ain't going to be there today. So, you know, don't call me. Don't reach out to me. I don't want to feel guilty. So don't be reaching out to me. And I might see you all next Sunday. Just depends on. I still want to bring my. You know what? I'm probably not going to be the pastor of this church too much longer. And that would probably be right, wouldn't it? Would that be right? You're not going to count on me. You'll be like, dear God, what in the world we got up there? That ain't got it. That, that doesn't even have to happen but two times. That don't have to happen but two times before y'all are like, mm-hmm, things are getting crazy around here. <sighs> Pastor Annie, you better... <laughs> I'll have security. <laughs> security. <laughs> Old Ted be standing there. Move, Ted, now. Pastor, Pastor said no. Y'all going home.
<laughs> his phone hanging down his pocket. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying, right? We got to be, you're called like I'm called. You're anointed like I'm anointed. Just for different stuff. Amen. Amen. Uh, am I going to be more out front? Yeah. Yes. But that don't mean your role isn't important. So if you desire to be a helper, a deacon, function in the ministry of helps, just know that it will come with challenges. The, the enemy will mess with you all the time. You're underappreciated. No one recognizes you. You ain't, you know, this and that and the other. But you know what? God sees it all. And the, the one who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. Amen. He does for me. If he does it for me, he'll do it for you. Glory to God. Amen. You are ben many of you are benefiting from standing in your place in, in the spirit, taking your place in this church, taking your role in this house. You may not get a paycheck that I sign that has winner's church on it, but the Lord is seeing to it. The Lord is seeing to it. Amen. Amen. I, remember, I remember those times in my life. Man, do you know how? Tyler asked me one time. He said, you preach supernatural. How long do you preach supernatural increase, Brother Z? I said, well, 1980. <laughs> I started believing God for supernatural in 1986. He said, when did it manifest? I was like. 1997. <laughs> I, st I went into ministry in 1983. I got my first paycheck from the ministry in 1996. Hmm. <laughs> that was the first time. Annie saw that check. She's like, is this real? <laughs> ah, only checks we saw was Annie's checks. Isn't that right, baby? She's back there, amen. You know what? We served the Lord in the same way all them years. Nothing ever changed. Did we serve God less when we got a paycheck? No, we, we, we served him the same. We were always sold out to him. We continue to be. Amen. Any, any questions at all? Any questions about this? Sure. I just wanted to say something real quick. Because um, you were talking about things they almost seem self-serving uh, when you say them as the set one, you know, the, the head pastor. And something the Lord talked to me about it had to have been towards the time when I first got born again was I had thought about serving, like, Lord, I want to serve you. And I think you pick up on those things in church pretty quick when you start going to church that there is a benefit for some people that comes along with other people serving. There's always going to be a benefit to my serving the Lord, there will be a benefit to somebody here on the earth. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes it's pastor. Sometimes it's 
Cherie or somebody else. And the Lord spoke to me, and I thought this was so awesome. He said, I have no use for that earthly benefit. The glory belongs to me, but the benefit has to go somewhere. So where do you want that benefit to go? Do you want that to go to the ones that you labor with, or do you want it to go somewhere else? Well, Lord, I want it to go to the ones that I labor with. I want the benefit to be with me and, and my people and my family and those that I'm serving the Lord with. But the glory, in my serving the Lord, when I'm serving him, all the glory belongs to him. But there's always going to be a benefit. It's just really, uh, where do you want that benefit to go? That's a very good word. Amen. You know what? If anyone's going to benefit, it ought to be us. Amen. Amen. Who do we want to benefit? Who do we want to benefit? I'd, I'd, I'd rather Bailey benefit or Lewis, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Gaby, Brandon, Rachel. Right. Amen. Amen. That's it. Nobody else has anything else. Yes. Um, I wasn't. I didn't know if it fit until he started talking about supernatural increase. So it fits. So um, during revival, at the beginning of revival, before that, the last time I ministered here on the Wednesday about serving, um, it really started stirring in my spirit. I, I got a revelation of the new building right then because I hadn't been thinking about that at all really until that moment and until looking into Don's ministry and looking at how effective he would be in ministering in that capacity, influencing more people in this church. And so as far as people that would be coming alongside him to help him get it done, because it would require more. And anyways, I didn't realize how much it was impacting me as far as just something that was a rhema word at that time and the building really taking substance as far as faith was concerned. And so the Lord dealt with me and he's like, faith without works is dead. And so I committed to the Lord that I was like, well, when I get this check next month, I'm giving $500 to the building because that's putting my faith Amen. to work. And so, well, um, last week the Lord had, I mean, the Lord got me out there in giving. I mean, not that it had been further or necessarily more than in the past, but I think there had been a season in my life where I wasn't in faith. You know, and, it, and, and, and it's got me in trouble, you know, even financially where I wasn't in faith because it's, it's the growing pains of walking with the Lord. And um, I finally came to the point of like, there's a reason why the Bible says humble yourself because you don't want the Lord to humble you. So I'm just, this is the year for me where I'm, I'm, I'm going to humble myself and do whatever it takes. But the Lord brought me to that place. He'll bring you to a place where you can humble yourself. And so um, at the beginning of revival on Monday night, whenever we were worshiping, and I personally broke out in worship in another place that I hadn't been. I mean, maybe for everybody else, they had, I don't know if, I don't really know what people are, what's going on during worship or what they're seeing. But I just know for me, I had broke through in worship to another place and I had known because I've been in a place similar to that before where um, the Lord had brought me to that place, but it was just a new level, and, I, and the Lord was dealing with me. He spoke to me about worship, but 
as it pertains to this, he was dealing with me when it came to, he was like, no hesitation, no hesitation. And it wasn't, I, you know, it had to do with worship, but it had to do with faith. It had to do with being quick to do what he said and all of those things. So last week, I mean, he ended up getting me out there, my giving to where it was over $1,000 just to God's glory. And anyways, so Monday, my car blows a head gasket. Well, then I get the check today that I'm giving the 500 toward the building, you know, and I'm like, I might wait on that because I might, I'm going to go get a new car. <laughs> I'm, gonna need, I, I'm gathering some down payment money, you know, and, but then it was like the Lord spoke to me. He's like, or at least it came out of my spirit. Like he already knew, he already knew all that. He already knew everything that would happen. He already knew Monday would happen. And I know that we hear that all the time, but when it becomes real to you, when it becomes real, when it comes to, to your day to day, when it becomes real in your finances, when it becomes real, when he really becomes the provider and money, because the thing is, is it's not about money. It's about trusting him. And he can't get us to the place that he has for us, for the plan that he has for us, if we're not trusting him because we won't be able to sustain that place. Why would he take us somewhere that we can't stay? And so the Lord had gave me, he had talked to me about obscurity when it came to Winter's Church several years ago at the old building and that out of obscurity we would come out. And I don't remember all of it, but it was just, it had to do with small beginnings type line of thinking, but I know that today the Lord spoke to me about obscurity personally and that where I've been in a place of obscurity that he was bringing me out and that it wasn't just for me. You know, I can think of two people right now that immediately came in my spirit. It was Carolyn and Anna that, and I know they happen to be single women too. I don't know that, it, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I just think that the Lord's bringing us to a place and anybody that's willing to go to that place with him that is going to come out of a place where they've tried to dig themselves out, where they've tried, you know, what they've known to do, and it hasn't worked, but the favor and the grace of God on us agreeing with his plan, and as we agree with his plan, him providing to see to it that we're walking in that plan, and not just for a moment, but for a lifetime, to walk with him in that place. And so that was the first thing. The second thing was that when it came to the plan of God, I seen, and it was super weird. I had a conversation with Twyla. I think it was, I think it was a week or two, like within the last couple of weeks, which is why probably that came. But just like it had to do with what Tyler just said and talking about us as a fellowship and us as a family and us doing this work together was I was talking to Twyla and she, she was telling me about, um, I was joking around because I think, was it Michael that he had some word about jail ministry or something? So I told Twyla, I was like, I got a place for him at detention center. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a ministry at the detention center. It's not Cherie. It's Winner's Church. It's called Born to Win. So if any of y'all start getting a stirring about that, talk to me and, you know, whatever. But it's a Winner's Church ministry. And so I was joking with her and she was like, well, he's done that before and some of these other things. And she's like, and I have it in my heart 
to do a single mother's home or something. And I was like, man, I think Nakia's talked about doing a rehab, you know? And she's like, oh, I'm thinking about doing something different. But I know why I seen that picture in my spirit today, what it had to do with, and I don't know that it has to do with her specific situation or even the other thing I thought about was the gym that Michael's planning on opening, but that a lot of these things that are in our heart that we think are individual, God is really trying to get us to co-labor to get some works done through this house together. You know, I mean, even I was thinking when it came to the gym, and this is nothing strategic or any kind of influence on, because that's his deal. It's not my say on that. But I know Michael said, I don't even want to make money. I just want a place. Well, we need a building. I'm like, I'm like thinking, well, hey, whatever. Hey, if we could nonprofit, whatever. But, you know, it's like God has a plan for us. And so agreeing with what his plan is and allowing him to strategically align us and even those things in our life that seem to be individual or that seem to be um, something God's put in our heart to do, I think for me and what I hear the Lord saying is that it's really a corporate thing he's trying to do through our lives. And if we look at Pastor Ziggy's life, he's been telling us that for years and years and years, and it's something that I've had difficulty with because I've seen different things. The Lord's showed me different things and all these things, but a lot of times he's just getting us down the road to open to open ourselves up to see what he really has to say. And I think Pastor said it when I was looking over revival and he preached on Monday. He said that um, we have to come to a certain level of maturity before we can really hear what God wants to say to us. There's a lot of things he wants to speak to us, but we have to have an environment, not just in our mind, but in our spiritual life and in our spiritual walk where we can facilitate what God's saying so that we can walk in it. So... Praise Jesus. Mary Agnes? You got anything, babe? No? Okay. <clears throat> you know, when things change, we, we pivot. When things, uh, when things um, shift, we shift with it. You know, don't, don't hang on to everything uh, just the way that it is. Things change. Um, behold, I do a new thing. Things are going to change. Amen. We're going to change with it. We're just going to follow the Lord. But uh, know this. God has a good plan for your life. It's not a bad plan. It's a good plan. Say this with me. Say, God has a good plan for my life. And I plan on fulfilling his plan. I plan on coming into agreement with his plan. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, listen, uh, that's all for tonight. That's all for our um, um, armor bearer uh, deal. Again, I, I, didn't, I didn't say this, but, you know, serving, serving your leader, that, that language in the book, serving your leader, serving your uh, officer, that, that kind of language, eh, Jesus is the officer. I was going to read you about the centurion, but, you know, I got carried away. So, you know, there, there's an order. The centurion knew the order. He knew, the, he knew authority. And he said, I'm a man of authority just like you're a man of authority. Say the word, it'll be done. We, we, we've got to be like that centurion. We have to understand order and authority. And not get our drawers in a bunch when we, you know, when we feel like that we're not high enough in the pecking order. Listen, just the fact that we're in. Amen. We're in. You're in. Glory to God. That's, that's what it's all about. We're on our way to heaven shouting the victory. Amen. Amen. 
All right, so listen, uh, we're back here on uh, Sunday. I'm expecting the Lord to do great things. Don't forget Friday, Friday night, or is it the hospital ministry on Friday? So if you're going to do ministry at the hospital, uh, then uh, get with uh, Tyler, Ayla, and Sheree, and they will uh, give you some uh, a direction. But we, we have an outstanding ministry there at the hospital. Um, I'm believing that one day the news is going to show up because there's going to be a parade of people walking out of that hospital. Ayla's going to be in the front of them with Isaac hauling him around. They're gonna be, and then people are going to parade out of that with their gowns opened up in the back showing off their business. You know, them hospital gowns don't cover nothing up. So, <clears throat> But man, I can see it. People healed. People healed. People receiving miracles in Jesus. We're going to be on the first wave. When miracles break out, we're going to be on the first wave. Amen. But uh, anyway, Friday night. And then um, Saturday, leadership, we have a meeting here, uh, 8 o'clock for uh, breakfast, and then uh, 9 o'clock. Now, uh, leadership, if you're not a part of that leadership meeting, it's, it, don't get your feelings here. Oh, I'm not in the club. No, here, here's the deal. If you were in the club, you'd have to be up at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, drag yourself up to... And then, you, and then you know what? Hilda's going to talk about calendar, and you're going to have to give her some answers. <sighs> Listen, everybody thinking, their first time in leadership, they're like, I'm in leadership. And then Hilda's like, where's your calendar? I was supposed to bring a calendar? Well, what do you think you're doing here, man? What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, that's not how it is. Hilda's, Hilda's nicer than that. No, no, yeah, Hilda's nicer than that. But... Uh, but anyway, leadership on Saturday, and then um, uh, church on Sunday, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. I'm excited. I got, I got something to preach to y'all. Amen. Now I'm ready. Glory to God. What a mighty God. But yeah, let's go. We got time. Glory to God. I got 10 minutes. Now, praise God. Father, thank you for all that you've said and done. Lord, may we serve you with gladness. May we uh, follow you, Lord, in your ways. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you that you've opened up doors of opportunity for us to live for you, Lord, to serve you, to do your will, to be a part of your body. May all honor and glory go to you for all that we do. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the word Tyler brought. May the benefit of what we do to give you glory, may that benefit be here among us and may all experience the benefit at some point of the obedience of your people, God, doing what you command them to do in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Everybody that believed it said amen. 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 Praise God. Amen.